0: This is Eye on Foxborough, the premier podcast for all things New England Patriots. Brought to you by MassLive.
1: Welcome to MassLive's Eye on Foxborough podcast. I'm Karen Garigian, and this week... I am delighted to have three-time Super Bowl-winning cornerback and current NBC Sports Football Night in America commentator Devin McCourty as our guest. Hello, Devin. Hey,
0: Karen. How you doing?
1: I'm doing great. How's retired life treating you?
0: Oh, it's been awesome. I mean, you saw it came on. got my Halloween costume on today. I get to yeah. relax, drop the kids off at school, pick them up from school, um, and still get to be busy. Uh, obviously at NBC on Sunday nights, but also calling uh, some games on Westwood one. So um been traveling a little bit, went to Buffalo, Tampa Bay uh, a week ago. So uh, I'm still getting to fully be around a game of football, uh, but my body appreciates this side of being around football compared to the other side.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I'm sure it does. Well, uh, let's cut to the chase. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Your former team is two and six. Um, I know the past few years, your last few years, uh, you didn't have the best starts. Uh, I think the worst one was in 2020 when you were three and five, but you hit four and four. Um, what, uh, what are you, did you see it coming? <laughs> I guess, is that why you, is that why you retired?
0: Well, I mean, you know, the main reason why I retired was it was time. I think my body, um, I think the idea of continuing to play, I never wanted to play longer than, like, I was able to be a good player and be out there and be productive. I didn't want to have the years where I was kind of just out there and people were like, oh, we want to forget about those years he had. Um, But I do, I think, overall in this league, as you get older, you want to be on teams where you like you feel like you have a chance to contend for the Super Bowl Um, and I knew like this year would be hard coming off last year and, and you know how the season played out now exactly, I think the difference is last year we had a chance like the last game of the season we were playing for a chance to possibly be in the playoffs and I think this team has to they're two and six but there's no like there's no final on what they could do as a team and I think they have to continue to have that in their eyesight uh, until there's no more. Like, you can't just say, you know, we're bad as a player and, like, hey, it just is what it is. You got to keep playing because you never know how the season's going to turn and what other teams do. So you still want to give yourself a chance because the best thing to play for in this league is a chance to play in the postseason. Like, there's nothing better. I know everybody's going to talk about we're professionals. We get paid to play. Like, all that's true, but a chance to play in the playoffs and be a champion is what gets you going. So they're not out of it yet. They still need to kind of keep that fight about them and not lose sight of that.
1: Yeah, uh, your uh, your friend uh, Slate, Matthew Slater, uh, you know, he's been talking each week. Of course, you, you go to him because, you know, he's <laughs> he's the elder statesman. <laughs> the old the- guy. Yeah. <laughs> But you know each week he he talks about like seeing what we're made of you know seeing you know it's it's a test you know to 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 stay engaged i guess or the, you know the buy in it's not like t- you're not going to go out there and play but you know to keep that focus and do what's necessary to try and win a game um was there any of that with any of you, of the slow starts you experienced say, the last three years?
0: No, I mean, I never felt like that. I know, like, 2020 was just rough all in itself. You know, I think everything that was going on, COVID and um, Tom leaving, like, it was just a a lot going on that season. But I think we all rallied around each other. Um, I just think back to, you know, being in in Seattle and and James White, James gets the terrible news about his father and the, the perspective of that as a team of going to play and like, you know, your teammate, your, your good friend, your brother is now going through that. It, it just put things in perspective. And I felt like that team really just continued to fight for the thought of, we have so many guys playing that hadn't been playing before some opt out so many things going on. Um, and then I think, you know, 2021 was like this new life, you know, going to free agency, add Judon, add Jay Mills, add Aguilar, uh, Kendrick Bourne. Like, um, John New, Hunter, like we added all these players. So then you come back in 21 and it's like, all right, we need to go. Like we just infuse all of this money, you know, from you know, our our era in New England, like it was unheard of to spend that kind of money in free agency. Mm-hmm. So it's like, all right, we gotta take advantage. And then we come out. It's not a not a great start to the season, but we kind of get rolling and at one point we're number one in the AFC. So I think for that season and, and how we were able to perform it kind of jumped right into the next season. You go to 2022, even though everything didn't go perfect, it was this feeling of like, all right, we had this rookie quarterback who's now coming back for a second year. Our defense should be even better than it was the year before. And I think that really kind of took over that season and off season. Then obviously with how the whole offense worked out with Josh leaving, um, put a little damper, but I think that team was fueled by Both of those years put together, 21 and 22, really fueled, I think, both those teams and kind of the mentality uh, and the mindset that everybody had going into the season and also throughout the season.
1: I think um, heading into this year, uh, at least from a writer's perspective, uh, and also watching training camp, um, there was an expectation that the offense was going to be better. Uh, with Bill O'Brien, uh, uh, you know, calling the plays and, and leading. And, you know, we saw lots of positive things in training camp, and it just hasn't quite materialized. <laughs> um, you know, they're statistically one of the worst offenses in the league, uh, down with the Raiders, I think. Um, so what, what's the biggest issue you see with the offense? I mean, me personally, I think they just don't have the elite weapons and talent you need in this league to succeed. Agree? Disagree?
0: Yeah. And I think the game's change a little bit. Like, I, I think it's a lot harder now to go out there and, and have the, the offensive coordinator scheme just take over for anything that you just don't have on an offense. And I think It started with training camp. Up front, you have a revolving door of guys playing on the offensive line. Like, that's a terrible way to start. And then, you know, I think last year, leaving that season, everybody was like, well, who's the right tackle going to be? McDermott came in, played well. Is he going to be the guy? And I think those are hard things to go into a season of, like, how is our offensive line shaping out? Yeah, we got to always figure out how we're going to perform. But when we don't even know exactly who's going to be out there, it's it's hard to do. And I think overall, the, the offense isn't built to go out there and score 30 points. And I think if you look at the NFL, the best teams are viewed as offenses that can go out there and score 30 points a game. Now, will they do it every week? Look at Kansas City. They've struggled. But – the thought behind Kansas city is like, we have the one guy in the NFL that we feel like no matter what Sunday we play, he can find a way to win. And I think that is kind of how the NFL is made up. You have either these high powered offenses with quarterbacks that are good quarterbacks and they have weapons all around them, or you have a guy that you just feel is so different that he can go out there and win games almost all by himself. And I think new England problem right now is, they don't fall into either one of those categories. I think Mac is a good quarterback, but I wouldn't put him on a level of, you know, Mahomes, Josh Allen, the Lamar Jacksons. Like, I wouldn't put him on that, you know, top five list of guys that can just go and be a huge difference maker. And then when you look at just the weapons, I don't think they have, you know, the two guys, I would say from a standpoint of just having two guys on your offense that you can say every Sunday when we go out there, those two guys are better than whoever's in the secondary, whoever's over there, either at the tight end, skill position, wide receiver, running. Like, I just don't know if they have, like, that ultimate mismatch every week they go out there or even have the guy that says, hey, if we're not like a guy like Zay Flowers, if we're not careful and surround him, he can make huge plays. I think Pop Douglas is a guy that's kind of coming into that, um, but I think it's hard to just not have that, super dynamic player in today's game
1: yeah um yeah the Dolphins actually doubled Pop Douglas on a few, a few of the key plays
0: yeah. like I, I turn on I watch all these games every week and sometimes I watch these teams and they play Kansas City and like teams don't double Travis Kelsey and I'm like
1: okay I
0: mean I don't care if you have a guy that you think can cover him like nobody else nobody else might scare us so I'm gonna double him and make sure he doesn't beat us and I think, like, you watch Denver, they they somehow decided, like, hey, we're going to take Travis Kelsey away and make somebody else beat us. And if you play New England, you watch Pop Douglas. He kind of pops on film. And I think when you see that, you're like, hey, four times a game, let's just double them on third down and, you know, see where else they go with it. And I think it's really tough now from an offensive standpoint because the next guy was Kendrick Bourne, who I thought runs good routes, can get open, and he showed that this year. And, like, you lose him, like, that to me, that's really tough.
1: Well, the the Patriots uh, are going to have a ton of money cap space-wise going forward. Um, Is offense, you know, weapons, the first place you'd try to replenish or bolster uh, going forward?
0: I think so. But I think even overall they they have to look at this as a total team thing. Like, what – what kind of team do we want to be moving forward? Um, are we, are we good with, are we going to stay with Mac Jones? Because then if we stay with Mac Jones, we have to realize that like, that contract's going to come up. So we have to allot for that. Or if we decide we're going to a, a new quarterback or building the draft and get a rookie quarterback, all right, he's going to be on a rookie deal. So now let's make everything else around him so much better. But I think the start for this team is the draft. Like, I've looked at the teams that they've had. It's been a lot of guys who have come in drafted by the Patriots, whether it's a first round pick, whether it's an undrafted free agent, your draft or free agency pile of draft picks that you get the draft every year. To me, that has to be at the core of your team. Now, I, I am into, especially in today's game, yes, you can hit on some of these receivers in the draft, but it's it's kind of like, a hit or miss with the receiver. So, like, I wouldn't be against – you saw what uh, Philadelphia did. You saw what Miami did. They say, you know what, this money is a little absurd, but these guys are game changers. We're going to pay Tyreek Hill. We're going to play A.J. Brown. And you've seen the difference they made for offenses. But I think overall, solidifying your offensive line through the draft, getting another skill running back or tight end in the draft, look at Sam Laporta in Detroit, the impact he's had – And Detroit, like finding those guys. And then even from a defensive standpoint, what is next? What is Josh Uche? Do you resign him? Kyle Duggar, who are the guys that you know are gonna be the guys going forward? You have Keon White, Christian Gonzalez. I think they need to find a direct spot for Marte Mapu who has flashed and showed great athletic ability. Is he gonna be a linebacker? Is he gonna be a safety? I think the hardest thing to do as a rookie is to learn two positions. It's just, you end up being okay, at both of them, but like, you don't get a chance to master and like, all right, this is my role. I thought Duggar went through that a little bit as a rookie as well, playing too many different roles. So I think overall as a team, they just don't have many guys right now that are under contract that you walk away and you say, all right, like we know this guy's gonna be here. They have Christian Barmore, who to me has played pretty good ball this year. Um, And I think they have leadership in Bentley and Wise and whatever they decide to do on defense, I think those are veterans that they don't have like these over-the-top large contracts that they can build around. Um, but I think offensively, what like what who is the guys like what do you see yourself becoming even as an offense? Like, what do you want to do well as an offense before you even go into free agency and the draft? Does Coach Belichick have
1: to kind of change his philosophy a little bit when it comes to offensive talent. I mean, he had DeAndre Hopkins here for three days uh, during the summer and let the guy walk out the door. Uh, Wasn't, you know, wasn't competitive enough with his offer. Like it was his offer and that was it. And basically let him walk to Tennessee. Do they have to change does he have to change the mindset? Because again, their, their lack of that elite type of talent on offense, at least to many of us is glaring, especially when you play the Miami dolphins.
0: Yeah. I, and again, I think like you have to know what you want to be. Like, I'm not saying, cause I think sometimes in the league, it's this thought of like, if somebody does something well, you have to go replicate that. I don't think you have to necessarily replicate that. Like, you look at what Baltimore did, and I know they didn't win a championship, but all of the stuff that they were doing with Lamar Jackson was so different, and they were winning football games. Like, they were in the playoffs, and, like, if you would have told me, hey, we're going to take this quarterback who's super athletic and run almost like a option-style play-action, only quick throws game, is that going to work? I would have said, no, that's a bad idea, but they made it work. I think New England has to decide. Like, when you look at even this offense, lack of talent – you kind of are like, well, what are they? Like, I think the thought process was going to be they were going to be this run first team, downhill, Ramon J. Stevenson, Ezekiel Elliott, pound teams. But then you're like, but they really didn't invest in their offensive line and make their offensive line this powerful, big offensive line that could move people. So you're like, well, maybe they don't want to be that. And then you're like, well, they didn't go get a ton of speed at receiver and get, you know, DeAndre Hopkins, to me, was a no-brainer. Simply because even though like he might not be 2013 or 14 or 15 DeAndre Hopkins, we just saw last week he has a three touchdown game because Tennessee actually decided, hey, today we're going to throw him the ball. It just seems like having a guy that you could say, hey, on third down, I don't have to be perfect at quarterback, but he can make a a good play. I think Devontae Parker has a little bit of that in him. I think his issue has been like how healthy has he been able to be these like the last two years. But I think they need to know, like, what are we going to do? Like, how are we going to operate? Like, I look at Detroit, whose offense has been pretty successful. They have two running backs. They have a downhill guy. They have a speed guy. They set up their play action through the downhill run game. Their offensive line has a couple high draft round picks, a couple paid guys that they kept. And I remember being in Kansas City week one, and we're on the sideline. I'm looking at this offensive line. I'm like, damn, these guys are huge. Like, you could tell, like, hey – Detroit is going to come in here and try to punch you in the mouth, pound you, and then have the speed receiver in Williams. Then we have the kind of go-to guy in Amara St. Brown. And then we know what Gibbs can do in different roles on the team. And now you watch them. And even last week when they lost to Baltimore, you're like, dang, that was a dud. But we still know what they want to do. I think New England is, you kind of don't know what their offense wants to do.
1: Hmm. Is it? As a player, when you're a player and, and you see what, you know, what they're doing around you, what the organization is supplying, do do you guys privately have questions? Like you're saying, like, what, what's the direction here? You know, they didn't invest in the offensive line. They didn't invest at receiver. You know, what are we doing? Does that creep into a player's mind or is it just play?
0: When you're, when you're younger, not really, when you know, you're know you in those first you know, two to four years, you're kind of like, all right, I need to be locked in on what I'm doing because you don't know if you're gonna be in New England long-term. You're just trying to get to a second contract. When you get older and you you decide either as a free agent to come to New England or you decide to sign back an extension and be, yeah, like, there's no doubt about it. You look at all of that, you watch the draft, you might not be fully paying attention, but the few names I know for me throughout my career, I wouldn't watch a ton of college football. I would know some names. I would see, you know, what yourself or different people are writing of people they should go for. So you're in tune and you see that. And you always see guys like when well, DeAndre Hopkins was in the building. People are, like, tweeting them. They're posting pictures. Like, guys see that. Like, they want some of those things that happen. Like, I knew who Stefan Gilmore was when we signed Gilmore or when we signed Darrell Revis and Brandon Brown or, like, I knew what that meant for our secondary and what we could be like guys are fully paying attention. So when you don't do the things that, and I will say this, I don't think a lot of guys know what teams should do. It's a bunch of like reading media stuff and some of your own guessing. But when you see like, all right, man, we didn't, all right, we didn't do that. Okay. I'm cool. Like we're going to do that. dang, we didn't do that. It is like, well, what are we doing here? And I don't think it stops guys preparation and will to go play and and, but it does make you kind of wonder like well what are we really doing here and then it's even more when now you fast forward and you're sitting at two and six i think from a player standpoint you do sit there and be like man if we would have signed deandre hopkins i don't know if if we would be undefeated but i think we'd be better than what we are um i definitely think some of that is going to go on and and is happening
1: what? You mean you didn't ignore the noise?
0: <laughs> ignore the noise means you still show up and do what you do. But it, it's insanity to think that guys don't know. You know, I mean, times I answer questions and people ask me, did you see this or do you know this? And I, I would fully know. And I'm like, no, I didn't see that. I can't comment on it because because it when you're a player, it's like there's no good. Like I saw Devontae Adams after the game. They asked him about – he I have no words. Like I don't even know what to say without it becoming a huge deal in the media, because there's nothing, there was nothing good to say. And I think players know that as well.
1: Yeah. Just watching him on the sidelines, I could see the smoke coming out of his ears. So he really didn't have to say anything, just observing oh. him. You, you kind of, you kind of get that sense. Um, you've been a, uh, been a Mac supporter, um, is he? I mean, contractually, his contract is favorable going forward. They'll have to make a decision on the 50-year option. I mean, do you think he's the guy the Patriots should ride into the future, or if somehow you you do stay down toward the bottom, uh, and you have a chance for I don't know, Caleb Williams, Drake May, Bo Nix, one of the top guys. Do you do you? Go into this year's draft and and nab that quarterback if you happen to be in that position?
0: So I'd be lying if I said I know exactly the full extent of all of those guys coming out of the draft, how great they can be. But I will say, like seeing people write some of the things they've wrote about Caleb Williams and Drake May. And like I've saw people say, like, Scott's generational, Caleb Williams, if he would have came out, you know, this year, he might have been over Bryce Young and CJ Stroud. Like, if that's the truth of like, this guy is better than the last like two years draft picks. Like if he came out the year Mac and all of those guys came, like if you're going to say that and you do finish and you have the chance to draft him, then to me, you have to evaluate him and say, Hey, I think this guy is elite generational talent. Then to me, there's no doubt about it. You have to take that quarterback. But like, if you don't walk away, if you scout these guys in a draft and you say, we kind of felt the same way about Matt coming out of the draft than we do these guys, then I don't think you reset your whole organization and say, all right, let's do this now, and you end up in three years with the same kind of player. But I think, yes, if you think this guy is a lot better, similar to Arizona, you take Josh Rose and then you end up with a, uh, the first pick again, so then you take Kyler Murray, you better know Kyler Murray is going to be the guy that you just use a first pick and a a top 10 pick on the same position and your team doesn't really get better because you better know when you look at Arizona this year, they say, you know what? We're going to take Paris Johnson. We're going to get a left tackle that we think can be a really good player and then decide our quarterback. So I think New England, if they think that, hey, if we build around Mac, we have a chance to be good and grow from there. But I do think one of the hardest things is they have to think about building a team not how do we get to the Super Bowl in 2024 like I I just think like these other teams that you've watched Cincinnati Buffalo like this isn't like hey we were really good we were bad for two years or three years and then we were no like these teams struggle for a while and I think I'm not saying New England should look to struggle for a while but I don't think they should try to look for like how fast we can fix a situation to be back in the Super Bowl because Tom Brady's not walking back through any doors where it's like as soon as we get this guy, we're gonna win a championship.
1: It's more of a methodical build exactly right? yep. yeah. um in that regard, I mean, there's a you know, you you talked about some of these players, Kyle Duggar, Josh Uche, um, you know, players who've been in the system uh, four years or so. Uh, and, you know, they know the pa- the Patriot way, they've, they, you know, they've learned from people like you. Uh, is it important to kind of keep those type of your core players or the players that you've, you know, drafted relatively highly in the system? And and does that send a good message if they bring Duggar back, if they bring, you know, certain players back to kind of, you know, keep that core and then kind of build around, build around them?
0: I think you have to identify who are the guys that are, are going to lead the next group of guys. I don't think necessarily you say like these guys are good players. So we're going to keep them. You have to identify like, who are the guys that are going to be here and also bring people along with them. When I got to new England was kind of a little bit of a transition, you know, watching 2009 playoff game, where Baltimore um, you know, runs the ball, I think, all game and only throws like nine or ten passes, something crazy. And you look at that team, like who was left over from that kind of first group, Vince Wilford, Gerard Mayo. Like when I got to New England as a defensive player, I'm locked in. Like what those guys did, I followed. Like they had an aura and presence about them that you go follow those guys. And I think, I think that's one of the things Bill doesn't get credit for Is his ability to identify like who are the core guys that are going to bring guys along? Like, no matter how good, you know, Julian Edelman was for New England, I don't know if there was ever a time in his career where you say, like, hey, if I could pick the top five receivers in the NFL and say, like, I want these guys. I don't know how many times outside of New England somebody says Julian Edelman's top five, no matter what. But to me, Jules was a guy that it was like, hey. He's a good football player, he's tough, he's reliable, he does the nitty gritty, dirty work, he does the big plays, he's so clutch. Like I think Bill's like, no matter what, we have to find a way to keep this guy around. And when you kind of think about it, essentially they decided to keep him over Wes Welker. And like, when that decision was made, some people were like, I can't believe they let Wes Welker go. I think he went to Denver for like $6 million a year. It wasn't like this crazy number, but they identify Jules as a guy that is like a leader that will keep people together. Same thing with like high tower, different guys like that. And I think they have to find what that looks like going forward. Who are those guys that when we build the rest of the people might not see them as leaders, but they will be. It's not just like the Bentleys and the wise. It's like those guys are now going to be a little bit older. It's, it's identifying like the guy that's not the true leader now, but I think he can grow into and be the guy that other guys come in and follow because they did learn from, you know, the Devin McCourty's, the high towers, the guys that also learned from, you know, Vince Wolfer who also learned from Teddy Bruschi and Tyler. So like, that's how you keep that. Um, But they have to, they have to do a good job right now, identifying what those guys, who those guys are, and what it looks like, because I think over the last few years, what you now have is a few young guys that were drafted and, and came straight to New England. But you have a lot of guys who are free agents, a lot of guys who are good players for the team that I wouldn't necessarily say are like, they're true, like, hey, they're New England guys, they know everything. There's not a ton of those guys in there right now to choose from.
1: Yeah, well, that's why I, I, I do <laughs> think you need a little bit of that continuity <laughs> you know, going forward. I mean, I, I mean, I'm somebody, I think they should re-sign Duggar. Uh, I would, re- re- I mean, obviously the with the trade deadline, we don't know what's going to happen, but um, I think you need to keep some of that core group, you know, still around and kind of build around them as you said. So.
0: And I think one of the things too, that they have to see is like, you watch, like, Duggar this year. He's played way more free safety. And, like, mm-hmm. when I watched him, like, he had a really good game Sunday. But a lot of the other games I watch, and I'm just like, he's out of position. Like, that guy is phenomenal blitzing. Like, you think about the last couple of years, some of the plays he's made, it's been jumping a screen pass, tipping it up, intercepting against Bacon. Like, I think that's what – like, Uche is a guy. It's a really good pass rusher. But in a 3-4 defense – Or, like, let's stay on the line of scrimmage and lock a guy out. And, like, is that really what Uche is going to be able to do for you? Or is Uche super dynamic and a 4-3, get up the field, be able to stunt? So I I do look at some of those guys that, like, Kyle Duggar, Josh Uche, if they get to free agency and there is a team, whether it's more money, same money, less money, if they do hear, like, hey, we want you to play this style in our defense – I do wonder if those guys are like you know what this fits me more I would rather go and be the kind of player that I think I can be in a different setting and a different defense
1: yeah I think the Patriots I mean Duggars played a lot of free safety as you said not his that's not where his strength lies as a state as a safety and I think they this past game they tried to have him closer to the line. They had Mapu back there. Uh mm-hmm. at the start they tried to free him up and he did make plays. See see you caused all this problem, Devin. There's there's, <laughs> there's no free safety back.
0: <laughs> but they do have a good problem. They just have two guys who are similar. Him and Peppers are yeah. like Pep's playing out of his mind. He's playing yeah. really good football, but they are like the stuff that Peppers is doing in the game. If you put Dugger over there, you'll get very similar play like they're both explosive right. Good players who can play deep, but their best football exactly. is in that like six to you know six to seven yard range, man to man zone, aggressive TFLs. Um so it was fun watching Duggar Sunday making plays and doing different things that he I think he does a really good job of.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um let's talk about Coach Belichick. Um Teddy, <coughs> G, a few a few weeks back. Um uh, uh, said he thought coach belichick should walk away after this year because he has nothing left to prove uh whether he gets to his record or not uh what's your take on that
0: that's easier for us to say I mean <laughs> I didn't I didn't put in the hours that he put in to get and I'm not saying that he's out there just for this record um I think he should go until he feels like He's given the game all that he can and the game's given him with that. But like to just say he has nothing to prove. I mean, he had nothing to prove how many years ago, like he could have been stopped and decided to do something different um, years ago. Like he could have stopped. He could have said, you know what, when Tom Brady's done, I'm done. And left went retired or went into the front office and been a consultant. So To me, like, if he says, like, I still, because, like, to me, and I I might be different because I was there and I was playing on those teams, I I just don't see how people don't give the guy credit when you look, and I I know this year is different. Like, this year has been really bad. When you look at our teams from a talent standpoint over the last few years without having the absolute greatness at quarterback Tom Brady, we should have, we should, this team should be better right now because we should have been really bad those other years when Tom Brady left, should have won, like, two games, three games, four. But, like, 2020, we had some teams and some defenses we put out there where we had guys who were strictly on a practice squad for the last, like, two years starting Monday night games, and Therese Hall was a guy that came in, went out there, played his butt off against Baltimore, against the Jets, like we had guys who hadn't played a lot of football in the NFL period on any team. And we walk away with that season with seven wins. And then we come back the next year with a rookie quarterback, some free agents and you have 10 wins. And then last year eight and people get mad at me when I say this, but I'm like, if Bill sucked as a coach and it was all just Tom, those teams would have been so bad that by now we would be talking about C.J. Stroud being a starting quarterback in New England, having a guy like Will Anderson coming off the edge. Like you would have all of these top ten picks over the last three years. Like it it would be Houston. It would be totally different. But because his ability to motivate and do different things with the team and find ways to win, I think it's hurt the chances of the team now because it's now still all catching up because you haven't had, yeah, you've had some free agents, but it's hard to build with, like, you're not going to get the top free agents every year. You're not going to get the number one tackle, the number one wide receiver, defensive back. D. Like, you can't do that every year. So you do a score and hit on Matthew Judon. But then, like, you don't hit on some of the other guys that come as free agents. So now then you you don't get the top ten pick. You pick a little later in the draft, which some people deem, you're not going to get a cornerstone player unless you do draft earlier in the draft. So I, I do think that's hurt him a little bit, but I just know like his mentality and how he, he doesn't care about that. Like he wants to just do what he does. Um, But it, it's hard to watch right now.
1: Do you think Robert Kraft is in a tough spot uh, in terms of, again, wanting to have a way, you know, he hates losing. He he says that. And, you know, they're going through a tough time, but you have this coach who's won you six Super Bowls, you know, can you, I mean, I think it's probably tough being Robert Kraft right now.
0: So it's all relative, right? Like, it's like watching the billionaires whose private jet is like broken down and we're like, man, he really needs to get there. But man, it's private jet, like that's tough. And then his, somebody else is sitting there like, wait, the guy that's a billionaire with the private jet, tough? I don't want, like, Kraft is sitting here, right? Six Super Bowls, this guy's won all of these games. Your organization is one of the top organizations in all of sports. Yeah, like you got to make some tougher decisions. But I would much rather be Mr. Kraft sitting there trying to make that decision than being one of these teams who have never experienced a Super Bowl or the New York Jets who haven't won a Super Bowl in, what is it, 30, 40 years. And like, you're still trying to get over the hump. Here you are, like, I think sometimes we forget, like, y'all's New England, huh? their last Super Bowl was all the way back in 2018 season. It's like, what? Like, yeah, their Super Bowl was back in 2018 season. That's pretty good. Like, it's that's not normal to complain about that. So it is, though, like you no matter how you break it down, when you have a chance to have one of the greatest players, coaches, general managers, whatever or whoever that is, when it gets down to the end of that that street straight streak or stretch. Those are tough decisions and like each decision you make, it's going to come with something like if they decide to move on from Bill and Bill decides like, hey, I still want to coach and he ends up somewhere else, and he wins a Super Bowl. Like, you don't want to – like, I don't think Kraft wants to be like, hey, we let Bill go, he won a Super Bowl, we let Tom go, he won a Super Bowl. Like, you know, but if you let him go and your next coach comes in and you win a Super Bowl in two or three years, then it's genius. So, again, it is a tough decision, but I would rather be in that seat than some of these other seats. Like, even Jerry Jones and the Cowboys. Like, as great as the organization that is, they haven't won a Super Bowl – and you know, since I think what ninety-five? Like it was they first won they won their first playoff game in twenty five years last year, which you can't say for New England. So it's a it's a good seat to sit in. Hmm.
1: Yeah. I wish I had that seat. How's exactly, that? Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Spo- I think we're spoiled here in New England, you know. What's
0: Mr. Crab, Let's switch seats any day of the week. <laughs>
1: Well, Devin, I would love to chat with you uh, all day long. Um, I tended to do that at your locker, too. <laughs> I, I know I, I was. Guys, a bit-
0: I hope you guys have some good locker room guys in there now to to talk to for a spo- supposedly 10 minutes that turns into 25.
1: <laughs> well, I want to thank you. I, I also want to point out uh, you've been a, a great ambassador for sickle cell research. Uh, you've done a number of charitable things. Uh, you're an advocate for things, uh, social justice. And um, uh, I always appreciated uh, the fact that you gave me time uh, in the locker room whenever it was needed. And thank you for coming on our podcast.
0: No problem. And thank you. I've always appreciated you are always willing to write about things other than football and other things that I think is so important for people to see that. The guys in the locker room are humans. They go through so many similar things as everybody else, and they pursue those passions just like everybody. And you always enjoyed writing about them, would come to events and do different things. I've always appreciated that. This has been Ion Foxborough, brought to
1: you by Mass Live.